Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today is the fourth quarter 2019 Von Nelson Emerging Market Opportunities Recap. In the fourth quarter of 2019, the Von Nelson Emerging Markets Opportunities Strategy returned 9.21% gross, 8.88% net, and that is up against the MSCI Emerging Markets SMIDCAP Index at 10.22%, which brings a year-to-date return uh, on a gross basis to 8.98%. Uh, 7.57 net, and 12.8% for the MSCI Emerging Markets SMIDCAP Index. And with me today is Portfolio Manager Kevin Ross, and with that, I will turn things over to Kevin. Welcome. Thanks so much, Dan. On today's podcast, we will provide the audience a brief introduction to to the EM Opportunity Strategy, a recap of what happened during the fourth, fourth quarter in both the international and emerging markets, highlight how the Vaughn Nelson Emerging Markets Opportunity Strategy fared during this period, and then seek to offer an outlook and our perspectives for this year, 2020. The Emerging Markets Strategy consists of 60 to 80 portfolio positions amongst a universe of more than 5,000 securities within the broad EM universe. Our strategy is different compared to most EM strategies, which are market cap weighted and focus on the largest companies in their respective countries. We target the small and mid-cap companies, which tend to be more domestically, economically driven and underfollowed as compared to the large caps that everyone is more than likely familiar with. Our benchmark is the MSCI Emerging Markets Small Mid-Cap, which today consists of roughly two-thirds Asia x Japan, the biggest countries within that being Hong Kong, China, India, Taiwan, and Korea. And the remainder evenly split between Latin America, which is Brazil and Mexico primarily, and EMEA, which consists of South Africa, Russia, Poland, Turkey, and a few smaller countries. During the fourth quarter of 2019, we saw a melt-up in asset prices globally, with equities across the globe rallying strongly, commodities increasing, and bond yields ticking up from the lows seen during the third quarter, when there were discussions of yield curve inverting and the U.S. recession going into recession. Emerging markets experienced notable volatility last year, particularly in the first half of the year, before bottoming in August of 2019 and then rallying strongly during the fourth quarter. EM small mid-caps rallied by over 10%. This is above the uh, uh, MSCI Acquiex U.S., which is representative of all non-U.S. investments, which increased by 9% during the period. EM markets were supported by several positive developments, including a pause and initial phase one uh, U.S.-China trade deal, a moderate pickup in manufacturing activity, central bank intervention, including the Fed's unnamed QE4, and continued resilience of the service sector globally and uh, support of U.S. consumer. Looking at a few countries specifically, uh, in the case of Brazil, uh, supportive policies and sentiment on their economy drove the equity market up during the quarter. Brazil uh, increased by 22%, which um, puts it amongst the the best performers during the quarter. Uh, Brazil's GDP grew by 0.6% in the third quarter uh, from the second quarter and grew 1.2% on a year-over-year basis. The central bank lowered its benchmark interest rate to a record low of 4.5%, which was the fourth straight half-point cut, and signaled that further easing uh, is possible in, in, into 2020. In the case of India, its equity markets uh, increased by 6% during the quarter. Investors are beginning to anticipate stronger economic growth over the coming year, 
following the corporate tax rate cuts announced in September, which reduced rates significantly from 30% down to as low as 22%. The central bank kept its benchmark interest rate on hold in December, but with the economy growing uh, only 4.5% below its uh, normalized long-term potential in our view in the third quarter, uh, this was the weakest pace in more than six years, we see it possible for them to resume cutting interest rates into 2020, provided that oil prices remain at the sub $60 per barrel level. The country has experienced a slowdown from issues with their non-bank financial companies and asset quality problems within their financial system. We expect that the cleanup and recap will continue with some progress being made this year and the impact of their reforms starting to kick in. Not surprisingly, uh, the Hong Kong China markets performed strongly during the quarter on the back of rising optimism that the U.S.-China trade dispute would be resolved uh, with a phase one trade deal. The U.S. tariffs on China were scheduled to increase on December 15th on $160 billion of Chinese exports, but this phase one deal canceled the increase. In addition to that, the U.S. will reduce tariffs on $120 billion of exports, reducing the tariff from 15% down to 7.5% in several phases. We did see some green shoots coming through in December in China, even before the signing of the phase one trade deal. China's exports, for instance, increased 7.6% during the month, and the manufacturing data in China improved uh, during the last two months of the quarter. The official PMI, uh, for example, increased above 50, and the new exports data point increased for the first time since May 2018. Our sources uh, and, and on-the-ground contacts suggest that the industrial cycle in China has more than likely bottomed. Uh, this is supported by fiscal and monetary policies implemented by the government, along with pent-up demand off of a low base. This bottoming of China's industrial cycle should also be helpful in the export recovery off its uh, export recovery of its close trading partners, including Korea and Taiwan, uh, given the close supply chain linkage, linkages between the countries. China's auto sales declined uh, for the 18th straight month in December, which on the surface looks disappointing. However, the year-over-year -year decline of only 4% is a significant improvement from the mid-teens declines we experienced during the first half of 2019. There's no regulatory changes of note happening this year, so we actually would expect to start to see positive year-over-year -year monthly prints uh, during the first half of 2020. Following the Fed's lead in 2019, global central banks started cutting rates at the fastest pace since the global financial crisis, looking back uh, in 2008-2009. In These cuts happened in both emerging and developed market countries. In most countries, uh, this is driven by low inflation, uh, which is under control, uh, excluding fuel and energy costs. Uh, because of that, we would expect this global trend of rates being lower for longer to continue. We have actually already seen six EM central banks cut interest rates uh, in, in January of this year. Uh, that includes in South Africa, Malaysia, Argentina, and Turkey. January should mark the 12th straight cut of net interest rate reductions from EM central banks, which is the longest easing cycle since going back to 2013. Oil prices have ticked down. Uh, this year, and while we have seen some increase in commodity prices, they remain at well under control levels. The one area we are watching closely is pork prices in China, which have uh, make up a significant portion of the basket for several Asian countries. 
The pork price increase has been caused by low supply following Asia's swine fever outbreaks, uh, which, based on our discussions with on-the-ground contacts, suggests should normalize out during the second half of this year. Recent forecasts and updated outlook from the IMF suggest that global GDP growth should accelerate modestly in, in 2020 to 3.3%, which would be up from 2.9% last year. For the emerging markets specifically, growth is expected to increase to 4.4% and 4.6% in 2021, which would be up from 3.7% in 2019. And this is driven by normalization of growth in several countries, including uh, Brazil, India, Russia, Mexico, and Turkey. Now, looking at the fourth quarter specifically for our strategy, the Vaughn Nelson Emerging Markets uh, Opportunities Strategy, uh, the strategy itself increased strongly in absolute terms while lagging its ben benchmark, the MSCI Emerging Markets Small Mid-Cap, slightly. On an attribution basis, the portfolio performed well in Brazil, Chile, Malaysia, and the UK. In Brazil, we had strong performance from our consumer discretionary and industrial-related holdings. On the flip side, uh, the portfolio lagged in, in markets such as South Africa, Hong Kong, and the UAE. In South Africa, our lack of positioning in the metals and minings complex, including platinum and gold companies, uh, hurt the portfolio. And in Hong Kong, our lack of exposure to a strongly performing uh, property sector and real estate sector uh, hurt the and impacted the portfolio performance. Looking ahead for this year in 2020, we remain excited about the opportunities in the emerging markets, uh, given what we believe are supportive valuation levels, which remain uh, below historical average levels, accommodative uh, central bank policies, and controlled political risks. The election calendar looks pretty light for this year in EM, uh, which will be overshadowed by the looming U.S. election later in the year. Uh, we believe that the expanding deficits in the U.S., uh, which include both the fiscal or the budget deficit and the current account deficit, along with an accom accommodative Federal Reserve, make it unlikely that the U.S. dollar appreciates meaningfully, which is supportive uh, for all non-U.S. In investments, including emerging markets. The leading economic indicators that we track from our sources uh, show economic activity stabilizing in most developed markets, excluding Japan, and most importantly for emerging markets, including China. World trade volume growth bottomed in the mid middle of 2019, and the long leading indicators we, we track are at two-year highs, which suggests that global trade should improve from here. The one caveat to that view is the recent coronavirus has come right during Chinese New Year, and there is uncertainty on how long and to what magnitude it could impact China and the regional economic outlook. In the case of SARS, uh, so looking back at the closest example that we have, uh, the virus started in, in November of 2002. It worsened through May of 2003 and was finally contained in the summer of 2003. China's real GDP growth dropped by about 200 basis points uh, from the first quarter of 2003 through the second quarter of 2003, largely driven by slowdowns in the transportation and tourism sectors. Thus, if you use that as an example and a path of how the coronavirus may be similar, uh, we believe the impact of financial markets could last several months before it is fully reflected in the price and the market again focuses on normal economic activities and what appears to be a gradual cyclical rebound. We expect with the recent development of the coronavirus 
that the unevenness and volatility in the data should continue over the next few months, uh, particularly in those sectors most impacted. We also foresee developments and rhetoric surrounding the U.S. election heating up as we progress through the year and we get more news flow uh, on the primaries and the campaign trail. We also are watching U.S.-Iran relations very closely, uh, which could come back and impact crude prices, which is relevant from uh, which is relevant for many EM countries, both crude exporters and crude importers. We intend to maintain flexibility in our portfolio to capitalize on opportunities caused by this volatility. A couple examples of that. Uh, the portfolio has been finding more opportunities in India than it, than it has seen in the past several years, uh, particularly in the industrials and consumer discretionary space. Brazil remains an area of research focus for the team, uh, given the strong medium to long-term outlook. However, we are being patient with regards to valuation and disciplined to ensure that companies can meet our targeted 50% return threshold over a three-year time horizon. South Africa remains an underweighted market for us as we believe the country needs to implement additional structural reforms and reduce corruption in order to accelerate its current sluggish economic growth of sub-1% GDP growth. From a sector perspective, we remain intrigued and excited by the technology supercycle, which is driven by the electrification of the automobile, Internet of Things, and the launch of 5G, which will take place this year. There are many companies both in the portfolio and broadly in the universe, in Korea and Taiwan specifically, which will benefit from the structural demand tailwinds in our view, and we remain excited about the outlook for those companies. Thank you again, Dan, for the opportunity to provide investors some insights into our EM strategy, and we look forward to being back in a couple months to provide an update again. All right, excellent, Kevin. That was a great, uh, great recap of the fourth quarter, and uh, good luck here in 2020, and uh, we'll looking forward to having you on again here soon. Thanks. Thank you. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.